0: Okay, Psalm 119, verses 1 to 40. Here we go. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counsellors. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. And the second reading is from Hebrews 4, verse 12. It's on page 847.
1: For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Joy, Uh, please turn back to Psalm 119. It's the uh, longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses of it. I decided not to have them all read tonight. Um, Spurgeon wrote a quarter of a million words on this psalm. I've got about 20 minutes to preach on it, so I'm going to cover it all. Let me start by saying that if, apart from, apart from talking about Christ, apart from talking about my Saviour and the glorious Gospel of Grace, apart from talking about Jesus, I can't think of a topic that I would rather speak about than tonight's topic, which is the Word of God, the Word of God or the Scriptures. I hope you know that the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. That, that's what Hebrews 4 taught us, that it is sharper than a double-edged sword. And it penetrates our hearts and, and our minds. It, it cuts us. It, it shapes us. It satisfies us. It refreshes us. It revives us. Read the Scriptures and it will tell you that that we come to faith, we come to new birth through, through the word of God and you grow in your faith, you're sanctified through the word of God and the word of God is what feeds our heart and our mind and changes our wills. I hope you know the word of God is powerful. Here's the verse that uh, Rachel and I had on our wedding invitations and our order of service. Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, your word is is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what we believe. and That's what I hope you believe if you're a Christian here tonight, that it's the Word of God that's going to shape your life, direct your life, help you with your perspective and your priorities. In our marriage, we we want the Word of God to, to be what shapes us as a husband and as a wife. We want the Word of God to shape our parenting. If you're single here tonight, you want the Word of God to shape you as a single person. The word of God is powerful, but here's my observation or my fear. There are many Christians, and they do love Jesus, they they, they have a passion for Jesus, and and they believe that he died for them. There are many Christians who I think are spiritually undernourished. They're spiritually malnourished, so they're weak when it comes to resisting temptation, they're not growing much in their faith. They're kind of stagnant in their faith. And I just wonder, I wonder whether it's because we're just not feeding ourselves on the Word of God. Let me give you an example. If You came to me and you said, Oh, Paul, um, I'm really undernourished. I'm really underweight at the moment. And I say, oh, What are you eating? Uh, for the past two years... I've only eaten once a week and I've gone to this restaurant and I have no choice what I'm eat, eating. I just sit back in the chair in the restaurant I sit back with my mouth open and somebody shovels food into me and it's just once a week. That's what I've got for the last two years. And i go, is there any surprise you're, you're undernourished? You're supposed to eat every day. You need a variety in your diet. And you can make the link. If you're spiritually undernourished and... The only feeding that you get, the only food that you get is here on a Sunday, once a week. where you come with your mouths open and you sit and someone else shovels the Word of God into your mouth. Is it any wonder you're, you're malnourished and underfed? Here's what Jim Packer says. If I were the devil, one of my first aims would be to stop folk from digging into the Bible. If I were the devil, I wanted to to derail your faith. One of my first aims would be to to stop you from digging into the Word of God. And so tonight we're going to dig deep into Psalm 119. It is the most in-depth study into God's Word in the whole of Scriptures. It's the the longest of all the Psalms. There are 22 stanzas, 8 verses each. It's a very carefully constructed psalm. It's what's called an acrostic psalm. So if you look at your Bibles, you've got these strange Hebrew letters, Aleph, Gim Gimel, Daleth. It's A, B, C, D. And in the Hebrew, the first eight verses all start with the letter A, and the next eight verses all start with the letter B. It's astonishingly well-crafted, but it's all about the Word of God. Almost every single verse of these 176 verses mention the Word of God. You've got different words for it. You've got law, commandments, testimonies, precepts, statutes, ordinances. And, of course, each word has a slightly different nuance. So when you read the word statute, you're supposed to think, oh, that's permanent. When you read the word commandment, you're supposed to think, oh, that has authority. When you read the word ordinance, you're supposed to think direction or wisdom. But it's pretty clear uh, this is a man who's writing this psalm who is devoted to God and because he's devoted to God, he is delighting in the word of God and the more he delights in the word of God the more devoted to God he gets you see the circle? The more devoted to God you are the more you delight in the word of God and the more you delight in the word of God the more devoted to God you get and so it goes round and round and round I don't reckon this man will be satisfied with one meal a week do you? I don't reckon this is a man who is spiritually malnourished. And that's why we need to learn from this psalm. And that's been my prayer this week as i prepare prepared that, that we'd, be, we'd leave this place more devoted to God because we're delighting in his word. So why don't I pray now. Father, we thank you for this psalm and pray that you would help us to dig deep into it. I pray for each one of us here tonight that we would delight in your word. Lord, please help us to be people who are devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my big point tonight, delighting in God's word. That's the, the word that the psalmist uses most often to describe his, his attitude to God's word. The word delight. Sadly, our version obscures it a bit, but you get the point. Verse 14, I rejoice, literally I delight delight is the idea, I, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Uh, the word there is a word for a, a celebration. <laughs> you know, you're having a party. Uh, when I think of your statutes, I, I want to throw a party because I love them. Uh, verse 16, I, I delight in your decrees. I will not l- neglect your word. The word for delight there in verse 16 is a, the quieter inner joy. <laughs> You get the idea of the psalmist sitting with the scriptures and finding his, his contentment and peace in the word of God. Down to verse 24. Your statues are my delight. They're my counselors. He's saying even pe- when people slander me and rebuke me, uh, your word is my delight. Flick over to verse 72. You, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than... Thousands of pieces of silver and gold. All the earthly riches, they are nothing compared to, to your word. Down to verse 97. "Oh, how I love your law. I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I could continue, verse 70, 77, 111, 127. "I delight in your word, I delight in your word." Now, don't you find those don't you find those, that phrase kind of strange? I delight in a law. I just, I'm enraptured with a law. How often do you say, I, I just love, I love speed limits. I love 80 kilometers an hour signs. We know that they're good, but we don't, we're not enraptured with them. And the point is that if your understanding of the word law is this idea of rules and regulations that you have to keep. Then you won't be delighting in it. It will be like a ball and chain. You'll be leaving this place full of guilt and feeling dreadful. But if your understanding of law and statutes and precepts and ordinances is that this is the way that God is revealing himself to us. This is what God is saying, I like this and I don't like this. This is my character, my personality, my being. This is how I'm revealing myself. Then you will delight in it. And you will love it. Because you claim to love God. Why don't you imagine for a moment that uh, the person that you love most in this world, whoever that is, your parents, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend, whoever, whoever you love most in this world, imagine they go, they go overseas for 12 months. And you've got no email, no phone, no Skype, no way of contacting them at all. And for six long months, you're, you're there, longing to just find a bit about them. And then one day in the post comes a letter. And you recognize the handwriting straight away. It's your beloved. And they've written to you this massive, massive letter. I hope your heart is pounding, wanting to find out about them. And then I hope you don't put that letter on a shelf, unopened. I hope you you open the letter and you read the letter and you reread it and you read it ten times and you almost like dissect every word. Because this is how your lover is speaking to you. And there we are with the Word of God, the Bible, and we just stick it on the shelf. Because this is how God speaks to us and reveals His character to us and tells us what He likes and doesn't like. I hope you devour and delight in the Word of God. That's what the psalmist does. I delight in your Word. See, if you claim to love God, you will delight in His Word. Let me give you benefits. Why should you delight in the word of God? Here's the first benefit. Because God's word is a sin-stopping word. It, w- it will help you in your daily battle with sin. Look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? That's a question we've all asked, isn't it? How can a young man or a young woman walk in God's ways, how can they be holy, set apart for God? What's the answer? and by living according to your word. And verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And see what the psalmist is saying is that, that sin is a daily battle. Every day you, you strive to be less selfish and more kind and less angry and more patient and less greedy and more generous and whatever your besetting sin is, whether it's pride or whether it's pity or whether it's pornography, how are you going to stop I hope you're not the kind of person who just has rules and regulations and lists and feels a failure the whole time. The way to battle with sin is to sit under the word of God and let the word of God wash you and cleanse you and remind you of grace and uh, remind you of your savior and equip you to resist temptation. Here's a second benefit of, of the word. It's sin stopping. It is guidance giving. Turn over to verse 66. Psalmist says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment. I believe in your commands. Uh, Lord, I need your help. I I need your teaching to help me to make wise, good judgments because the world will teach me one thing. I need your word. Verse 98 Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99 I have more insight than all my teachers. Verse 100 I have more understanding than the elders. He's saying, I'm the wisest person here. I may not have a degree, I may not have a PhD, but I have wisdom because I love your word. Or the verse from my wedding, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You've got to understand that verse correctly. When, when he uses the word lamp and light, please don't think a massive spot lamp. You, know, you walk into a dark room and you, you can't see anything and so you just put on a switch and you've got light everywhere. The word for lamp is literally a. It's a tea light. So in the olden days, they would hold a, a lamp in their hand. Imagine pitch darkness with a tea light in your hand. Now, what does that give light to? It's just, just your next step, and your next step, and your next step, and that's what God's word promises to do. It promises to say. Where you're at right now, in the decisions you're about to make, in the circumstance you find yourself in, you need wisdom. You need direction. And God's Word will give you that. Don't go looking for guidance, for help, for wisdom from the world. Turn to the Word of God. This is the next benefit, which I hope you know this truth. I pray you know this truth. The Word of God is a a comfort, channeling word when tragedy strikes and when the calamity comes where are you going to go to? you don't want pious platitudes and you don't want empty empathy what you want is truth comforting truth hear what the psalmist says verse 50 my comfort in my suffering is this your promise preserves my life. Verse 52, I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. Over to verse 76, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Down to verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished. I would have perished in my affliction. What the psalmist is saying there is that when tragedy comes, when suffering comes, what you need is is God to come into your pain, to wrap his loving arms around you and to remind you of his goodness, of his power, of his promise, of his sovereignty. And let me say, when you're in that tragedy, when you're in that suffering, you often need other people (laughs) to speak the word of God into your life. I remember being in a time of trial of pain about six years ago now, and I couldn't read the Scriptures. I found it really hard to read the Scriptures. And in that pain, the blokes who sat with me and just just read the Bible with me and just reminded me of, of my God and His goodness and His promises. Here's the other benefit. The Word of God satisfies your soul the soul-satisfying word. Verse 32. I run in the path of your commands. For you've set my heart free. You've given me freedom. Well just go to the very, very end of the psalm, 165. Great peace. That inner peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Have they who love your law. And nothing can make them stumble. I hope you know this, that that you will not be satisfied with the trinkets of this world and the fleeting pleasures that fill a temporary hole. Our hearts are restless. They find their rest in Him. How do you know Him? Through the Word, through the Scriptures. That's the benefits. That's why you should delight, because this Word is a sin-stopping It's a comfort channeling, a guidance giving, a soul satisfying word. So how do you get that attitude? How do you become like the psalmist who is just delighting in the law of the Lord? Let me tell you that that nobody drifts into delighting in God's word. You don't drift into anything good, do you? You never drift into the good things and the hard things. How are you going to do it? Pretty simple. Make sure you're actually sitting under the Word and receiving the Word. Making sure there's time in your life where you you deliberately place yourself under the Word of God. It doesn't just happen. Psalm uh, 119, verse 94. See what the psalmist says. He says, verse 94, Save me, I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The word sought out, I've made the effort. It's been tough, it's been strenuous, but I've sought out your word. How are you going to do that? There are two ways that you can regularly seek out God's word. One is public. As you gather together with other Christians in a church or connect groups where you, you come saying, I just want to hear the word. And the other is private. And the private study of God's words requires effort. I need to ask you, is there a regular, consistent, steady diet of God's Word in your private life? Is that focused time of just sitting with God. Here are three excuses I hear. The first excuse is this, oh, I'm so busy. I've got no time. Paul, if you saw my calendar, there's no way I could fit time to read the Bible in there. And my challenge there is, you know, if you really are convinced that the Word of God is sin-stopping, comfort challenging, guidance-giving, soul-satisfying, surely you'll make time. What is it in your calendar that is more important than just some time in the Word of God? According to stats, the average Australian spends 15 minutes a day reading the newspaper. If you were to give 15 minutes a day to reading the Bible, the average reader would read the whole Bible in a year. We have heard of George Muller. He's famous for building orphanages and schools. He read the Bible 100 times before his 70th birthday. Listen to this. And then he read it 100 more times before his death, age 92 i didn't read it through the whole Bible five times in a year. We've got time. We've just got our priorities right. And the second excuse people give is, "Oh, "I just don't enjoy it. <laughs> it doesn't give me that buzz. I want to say, I don't enjoy it sometimes either. Now sometimes it's just really hard work and mundane. It's a bit like taking vitamins, isn't it? You don't take your daily vitamin to get the, the instant buzz. You take your vitamin because you know it's good for you. In the long term, it is good for you. Here's the third reason. I often hear this one. Oh, Paul, I've, I've tried. I've tried every scheme, and I've read the Bible, I've set aside time, and nothing seems to go in. Nothing seems to be sticking here. And here's my question, if that's you. When you sit down with the Word of God... Do you pray? Do you ask God to speak to you and and to feed you and to enrich you and to nourish you? Because it's not just a discipline, it's a spiritual discipline of reading the Word of God. You need the Spirit of God to illuminate the Word, to soften your heart, to soften your mind so you might hear the Word of God. Pray. Let me show you from the psalm. Turn back to, to verse 33. What does the psalmist say? He says, says, teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Uh, Lord, I I need you to be my my teacher, my educator. I need you to illuminate this word to me. Because I won't understand the scripture without your spirit. Verse 34, give me understanding because I'm pretty stupid. Help me, please. Verse 35, direct my paths. Direct me in the paths of your command. I need your help, Lord, to actually do what it says. Verse 36, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain, because by myself, I'm naturally selfish. Lord, please turn my eyes away from worthless things. All these things that are are shouting for my time and attention, please help me to stop looking at them and start looking at your word. It kind of sums it up in verse 18. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Do you get it? It, it, The kind of man who's sitting there with the scriptures on his knees, crying to the Lord Lord, I need your help. Open my eyes, teach me, give me understanding, turn my eyes onto you and away from the world. Lord, I need you. Do you pray when you read the scriptures? You pour out your heart and say, Lord, please teach me, illuminate me, change me, transform me. Or you just treat the Word of God like any other novel that you read. How are you going to do it? You're going to receive the Word. You're going to meditate on the Word. I love the word meditate. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. He's saying, like, your word is not just facts. I've actually pondered it, and I've treasured it, and I've wrestled with it, and I've memorised it, and it dwells here, because I've meditated on it. I think that's what he means in verse 11 when he says, I've hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. You see, in those days, they didn't have banks, they didn't have safety deposits, And so if you had something precious to you, something valuable to you, what would you do with it? To protect it. You'd hide it somewhere. And he's saying, Lord, your word, it's so precious to me, it's more precious than gold and silver, and so I'm going to hide it here in my heart. And here's what happens. If you've meditated on the word of God, if you've memorized scripture, you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance and you don't know what to do. And so you pray, Lord, give me understanding, give me wisdom, give me guidance, and you will find the Word of God, the Scriptures, just come flooding back to you. Why is it that we don't memorize Scripture these days? I, I think of a man who used to be at his church, and his Bible was just covered in highlighted pens. And it was just thumbed to death. And, He's the kind of guy who, as he prayed, he would just pray scripture. It would just come flowing out of his mouth. And that's the man who's meditated on the word of God, not just read the Bible. And here's my last one. Apply the word. That's how you delight in it. You you don't just treat it like a a subject where you're learning about God. You actually do it. Verse 1. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk or who live according to the law of the Lord. It's there in verse 14, isn't it? I, I rejoice. Not, I don't rejoice in your statutes. I rejoice in, in following your statutes, in doing your word, in acting on what it says. So here's my challenge. When you sit down with your Bible every day for 15 minutes, I'm not, I'm not a legalist, but if you're able to sit with your Bible fifty minutes a day, Bible in one hand, journal in another, and please don't just write interesting facts. You write a commentary on it. In your journal, write down of things that you need to do. If it's an instruction, you think, I need to do that. If it's a promise, I need to trust that. Sit down and say. If it's a rebuke, and the Word of God rebukes you, and you think, ah, that hurts. But writing your journal, that really hurts. But this is the Word of God, so I'm going to do it and obey it. And here's my, my promise to you, because it comes from the Word of God. If you sit down with your Bible, thinking, I want to receive the Word, meditate on the Word, and apply the Word of God, The more you delight in the Word of God, the more devoted to God you will become. And the more devoted to God you become, the more you'll delight in the Word of God. And if, like the psalmist, you're saying, teach me, give me understanding, show me your ways, incline my heart, open my eyes, the Word of God will transform you. Sometimes that will be really, really painful. Sometimes you'll be a completely different person to what you were this time last year. I've spotted the word of God at work in people's lives in this this congregation. I've spotted a a man who, who 12 months ago was grappling with this sin and had tried everything. A year later, regular Bible reading, he's a different man. I see the Word of God changing people week by week, month by month. And I also see people stagnating, going backwards, malnourished. When I talk to them, I say, how's your Bible reading? It's really hard work. Yeah, I know it's hard, but how's how's your Bible reading? I occasionally podcast a sermon. How's your Bible reading? I never really open the Word. Here tonight, and you're spiritually malnourished. Please don't let this be the only meal you get every week. Delight in the word, love the word, love the word, and you'll love God more. Let me pray. Verse 97. time, it says, oh, how I love your law, I meditate on it day and night. Lord, we pray that you would make every man and woman and child here tonight, people who love your law and who meditate on it day and night, in Jesus' name.